0: Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. In today's message, Pastor Joel Gregory answers the question, why connect for you? Get your pen and your pad ready, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today
1: let's get into this today we are we've kind of we moved away from connect 40 because of the pandemic I didn't think it was prudent or wise to have us getting together in close proximity at a time when the country was promoting social distancing and staying apart and so I, I mean y'all I know I we probably could have and been all right But just, you know, we have to obey the laws of the land as well. How many know because we're saved, we're not exempt from obeying the laws of the land? So once things are put in place, then we have to honor those, and we did. And so we, we moved this over to the side, but I am so excited that it is coming back. I'm telling you, I believe God is getting ready to move and linked up church beginning today over the next six weeks after that. I believe we're going to see healings. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see signs. We're going to see wonders. We're going to see jobs. I believe we'll see everything that we set our faith to believe during that time period, and there will be no stone left unturned. Let's talk a little bit about why Connect 40. Why do we do these? When Minister David was ministering on last week, it was clear to me, and he did an excellent job ministering on community, a wonderful job, right? But it was clear to me when he asked the question, how many of y'all are excited about Connect 40? People were like, Connect 40, what is that? Well, well, in reality, folks, this is now a post-pandemic church. It's not the same church that we had pre-pandemic. These are all new people. So they've got to understand the vision and what it is that God's called us to do. So if you're new to Linked Up Church, Linked Up Church exists. You can find all of this information in the Linked Up Church app, UVersion Bible app. Please follow along. I'm going to give you information that's not in the notes. Take your own notes so that you can learn and grow. But Linked Up Church exists to connect people to God, family, purpose, and community. Our entire vision can be found in the third chapter of Colossians, but the linked up portion comes out of Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read that very quickly. It's not in your outline, but in the Message Bible, it says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life, and these are people who just converted and gave their lives to Christ, and Paul is challenging them. He said, if you're serious about it, uh, living a new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Isn't that good? Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with things right in front of you. Look up, or stay connected, or link up, and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. And this is what I love see things from His perspective. How many know you have two choices in life to see things from your perspective, or to see things from His perspective? How many of you know His perspective is much better? So, in order to see things from his perspective, we've got to stay connected to him. Or we're just going to continue to live the way we see things and not the way he sees things. So, that's linked up church, okay? Now, there are three categories of people who attend or who are at linked up church. Three categories. All three are sitting in this room. All three are watching online. The first category, these are people who attend. I mean, there are people who attend here faithfully like they're members. I mean, they give, they they go out on serve projects, but they're not members because they haven't completed our next steps classes. But they faithfully attend. Then number two category, we have people who are members but do not serve on a dream team or are in a connect group. So these are just members, but they don't do anything right? So they're members, but they don't do anything. Then we have this third category of people, people who are members and serve on a dream team or are in a connect group or lead a connect group. These members are connected. Are there any of those in the worship center right now? Come on, you all can do better than that. Give me a real good, glory. So the goal for us as pastors is that every member becomes connected to this church through completing your next steps classes and becoming a member, then either joining a dream team or serving or being involved in a connect group. So the purpose of the Connect 40 is to give our entire congregation an opportunity to get connected relationally in connect groups, okay? So continue to listen. So in 40 days, folks, a lot can happen. As Minister David talked about on last week, and that number can mean transformation, but I want to give you something else too. It also can mean tests and trials. So how many know God will prove you over an extended period of time to see if you really believe something? So in 40 days, a lot can happen, and it may seem short, but the Bible tells us during that time God used those 40 days to produce miracles, to change people's hearts, to win entire nations and cities. God did wonderful things. And these are a few examples from the Bible. We won't look at all of the stories, but I'll just share them with you. In Genesis chapter 7, 12, Noah and his family were on the ark while God was remaking the earth via the rain and flood for 40 days. So God used that time period to save Noah and his family and then recreate the earth. In Exodus 34:28 Moses spent 40 days on Mount Sinai where God released the 10 commandments and numbers chapter 13 verse 25 the 10 spies spent 40 days in the promised land uh, praise God and 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 16 young David was challenged and transformed by Goliath's 40 day challenge I mean you know, Goliath came out for 40 days and said send me a little peanut head that will do war with me so I can feed his flesh to the birds. How many of you know David heard that for 40 days and got tired of hearing it? Some of y'all, your giant been talking to you a lot longer than that. When are you going to get tired of hearing it? Right? Uh, Jonah chapter 3 verse 4, the city of Nineveh was changed by the teaching of the prophet Jonah about what the next 40 days had in store for for them should they not repent. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus was empowered for ministry by spending 40 days in the wilderness. And then in Acts chapter 1 verse 3, the disciples were transformed by spending 40 days with Jesus after the resurrection. So our focus for 40 days of faith is twofold. First, to water the seeds of faith in your life. So how many of y'all believe you know faith? How many of y'all believe I've heard that before and I got it? Oh, one person? Okay, anyone else? Two people? Three people? Well, well let me tell you something about faith. You can never outgrow it. There's always levels to this right? And then the second part of that is we want to guide you towards spiritual growth. Now, if I can just be grown for a moment, can I just be grown for a moment? You know, I went through something 10 years ago. It was the most challenging thing of my life. And the best thing that ever happened to me was a person by the name of Apostle Frederick Price called me on the phone and he gave me a different perspective about what I was going through. Because I mean, when we go through something, we think somebody did something to us. Right? And we're ready to get back at somebody. He, he submitted something completely different to me. He said, I, I don't really think anyone did anything to you. I think God wants to do something in you. How I many of you know that has shake the slack out of you, right? Then he began to ask me some questions, right? And then I realized my faith wasn't as developed as I thought it was because he began to ask me, what can you believe God for? And then he proved to me that your faith is only as developed as what you can believe God for. So you can't say you know it until you have it. And if you've never done it, you don't know it. And so ask yourself that question right now. What have I really believed God for and manifested? it? See, have I ever paid cash for a car? Has God ever healed my body? Have I ever paid cash for a house? Did I ever believe for someone to get saved and they got saved? Did I believe for someone to get healed and they got healed? Where are you at? How do you locate yourself? Because most of us give an inflated opinion of ourselves. See, when he got done with me, I realized I was a baby. I hadn't grown in my giving. He was just dissecting. Right? And he showed me that everything that would happen in the previous situation, I couldn't take credit for none of it because somebody else built that. Right. Right. That's what he said to me. All you did was inherit. You haven't proven anything yet. Now, You I know, mean, a lot of people would hear that and say, who does he think he talking to? Right or wrong? And get all offended by that unless you realize who's in front of you and you're listening to somebody that's done everything he's trying to help you get to that level too. All right, so I want you to touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're not there yet. Look at the neighbor on the other side. Say, you're not either. Go ahead and tell them too, All right? Now, now, now look at yourself and say, I'm not there either. How many of y'all willing to admit that today, right? All right, let's keep going. How, have you believed God for a spouse? Did that manifest? So whatever it is, right? Because, how you know, we can use faith to manifest whatever we're believing God for. Right? And so let's keep going here. So over 40 days, there's a twofold purpose here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. It says this, this is not the time to pull away and neglect. That word neglect means to desert or leave behind. Notice what he says, don't desert or leave behind, meeting together. Now, I mean, know, oh, meeting together does, doesn't just mean coming to church. But we should be meeting together. I mean, know, oh, staying at home is okay, but we need people in our lives. Right? As minister David minister, I mean, isolation is the enemy's tool. Fellowship and connection, those are God's tools. So he says, don't pull away and neglect. Uh, meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing formed the habit of doing so so notice the pandemic comes we get used to staying home come on somebody we get used to watching on the tv come on that starts to feel good after a while right i don't have to get dressed don't have to put makeup on don't have to do my hair don't have to get the kids together i can just sit here cook breakfast turn the tv on let that play while i'm cleaning, listen to it hello somebody but how many you know I'm not engaged? And some people formed the habit of that and haven't broken that habit. Now, the only way to form a new habit is how many you know you got to start doing something new? So he says that some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage each other uh, onward as we anticipate that day dawning. What day is he referring to? Now, don't everyone answer that at the same time? What day is he returning, referring to? The day of Christ's return. How many of you know we're closer to that today than we were yesterday? If you look at our world today, folks, the scripture talks about you'll know you're close when people start calling good evil and evil good. See, today, if I get up and I say God created marriage between one man and one woman, I'm evil. But I got news for you. I'm never going to not be on God's side on that issue. I wish I had 10 people to support that in here. But I'm never not going to be on his side on that issue. I don't care what you call it. I don't care what they name it. I don't care what they classify it as. In the beginning, God made them male and God made them female. Now I'm not saying life can't happen to people. I'm not saying people don't go through things. I'm not saying any of that. I know if we get back to the word of God, whatever we went through, God can fix it up, straighten it out, and make us what he created us to be. Uh, that's 10 amens. I need a little bit more support in a church today, right? But that's the time that we're living in today. And so if you stand for what's right, you are evil. So he says here, as we see this day coming, we need to get together more frequently. Well, the church only happens once a week. So the only way to do that more frequently means we have to get together throughout the week. Right? Well, we've created something for us to do that, and it's called connect groups. And connect groups provide three things. They provide, number one, a place to connect, right? This is an opportunity to reach people on common ground whether that be interest, demographics, studying the weekly message, we believe that God does his best work relationally. There's no question about it. The people that I'm the closest to are the people outside of this staff are the people that I ride my motorcycle with on first and third Saturdays. I know them. I'm close to them. We're all connected. Lou, Sean, Hernandez, uh, Gwen, Denise, we're all close because we spend time together. We break bread together. We go get something to eat together we pray together we assess what needs are going on and we rally behind each other and help each other it's no question the people uh, I'm the closest to on this staff are the men who participated in a Sunday night football group you know why because we were all in that basement together being transparent sharing the struggles that we were having what we were going through we were loving on each other encouraging each other and those are the people still to this day I'm the closest with on this staff. Folks, you can say all you want to. I don't know anybody at the church, but are you getting involved? Because I'm telling you, there are people who are like-minded, love the things that you love. We just need to start finding each other so that we can connect. It also provides a place to protect. So spiritual covering by creating a safe and supportive environment where people can share their faith journey, ask for advice, find encouragement, and pray together. Folks, and when you get in these groups, you got to protect each other. Don't share each other's business. The worst thing you can do is someone believes they came into an environment where they're going to be protected and feel safe and they hear about their business outside of that group somewhere around this church. People need to be protected in these environments. And then number three, a place to grow. All right? In connect groups, we find inspiration and motivation to become the best version of ourselves. Like iron sharpens iron, right? Being in a group provides edification and accountability. I remember I said this in a different environment, but I still believe it to this day. I got in trouble for it in that environment. But here's the truth of the matter. You can tell me how much revelation you have about love all you want to. You can quote every scripture you want to quote about love. But until you get around other people, you don't know how developed that love is until somebody rub you the wrong way, somebody smells bad, somebody borrow money from you and don't pay it back. Come on, somebody. You don't even know how developed it is until you do life with other people. Oh, I need somebody. I, I, I need it. You don't, I promise you, you don't. Because soon as you get around people, I'm telling you what you're going to do in advance you're gonna say, "I need to grow through this," or "Ain't nobody got time for that." <laughs> and how you know? A lot of times we say, "Come on, I need a little better support in here today, right?" Right? And so we've got to learn how to love and support and protect and grow with each other, right? We need each other. Uh, connect groups help us stay involved, and they are the most effective way of maintaining a healthy and growing church. Listen to this very carefully. At Linked Up Church, we believe our church must grow larger and smaller at the same time. Well, how do you do that? We believe we should grow larger right here in the worship center every Sunday morning. But we've got to grow smaller throughout the weeks in connect groups, right? Where we're taking the message that we heard, heard, then studying it together, spending time together, building relationships, all of the three things that I just talked about, connecting with other people, right, protecting other people, and then growing, right? I personally believe you should always have someone in your life that's helping you grow, and you should always be helping someone else grow. Right, so who's bringing you up, but more importantly, who are you bringing up? Right, because this is how life works. If you want to go to the next level, you need to help somebody else get to the next level. So sometimes you got to search out and seek out people who are struggling and who are challenged right now, especially in areas that you know God's already delivered you from and then willing to be a vessel to help them come out of that and grow and get to their next level. And all God's going to do is send somebody in your life who sees you struggling trying to get to your next level. And this is how this works, folks, okay? And so at Linked Up Church, we must grow larger on Sundays, but we've got to grow smaller throughout the week. So now, letter A, why are we doing 40 days of faith? Why connect 40 days of faith? Number one, you can't please God without faith. Now, if you've ever been in a relationship where you tried to please, you ever just said these words, it doesn't matter what I try to do. Anybody ever been in a relationship like that? What do you eventually end up doing? Getting frustrated and what? Quit, right? Cut it off. Quit, right? Because who wants to be in a relationship where you can't please the person? Listen to what God said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And it is impossible to please. Now, the word impossible means not possible. So so watch where I go with this. That means everything we do, we should do it in faith. Most of us just live our lives right? We're going to look at what that actually translates to. Look at the Hebrews eleven six 6 here. And it is impossible, New Living Translate, to please. That word please means to gratify entirely God without faith. Now, remember that word faith there. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards. Now, most of us see God as a punisher, right? I do something wrong and God comes in and he punishes me. How I many know that's not the God that I serve? The God that I serve prefers to reward you and not punish you, right? So he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he rewards those. Watch this. So he's just not rewarding everyone. He's rewarding those who sincerely seek him. Now, the word seek means to search out, to investigate, to crave, right? So so we all understand that when we are in pursuit of something, we search it out, we investigate it, and we crave that. How many know I didn't win this beautiful lady here uh, on this front row by just hoping she'd come into my life? How many know I had to do some investigative work? How many know I had to search some things out? How many know I needed to crave that? I needed to demonstrate to her that I wanted her in my life for the rest of my life in order to win her and to please her. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And still doing it, right? Let me help all the married couples. Now, if you don't continue to do that, seek out, investigate, crave. Hello, somebody. How many know the relationship will get stale over time? See, I wonder how many of us started off on fire for God. But now, I'm good. How many know marriages can get like that over time? Oh, I'm getting ready to come down on the floor if I don't get something. I said, how many know marriages can get like that over time? We know marriages not here at Linked Up Church where one sleeps in one room, they're still married, another one sleeps in another room. Right? How many know something within that marriage, there's no more investigating, no more seeking, no more searching out, no more craving. Two different Greek words here. He says here without faith, right? But then he says anyone who wants to come to him must believe. Two different Greek words. So a lot of times when we read the scripture, a lot of times we think one word means the same thing everywhere that we see it. And it really doesn't. So I need to bring this out because you won't understand anything we'll say over the next six weeks if you don't get this revelation right here, okay? The first word faith here. says, it is impossible to please God without faith, is the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And it means assurance, it means to believe, it means truth, it means trust. And so if I can break it down in its simplest form, right, real faith is in the word of God. So it's really putting your trust in the truth of God's word. Everybody clear on that? So that's the first Part of it is I, I have to find out what God's word says, and then, how you know, now I have to put my trust in what he said, what's written. All right? And then watch this. But then he says in the second part of Hebrews chapter 11, 6, he says anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. So he's saying something different here. This word believe here is the word Greek word pistio, and it's spelled p i s t e u. Oh, and it means to have faith in or upon or with respect to a person or a thing. To entrust one's spiritual well-being to Christ. So now we're saying something completely different. The first is putting trust in the word, but now I have to believe and trust that God uh, through Jesus can actually do that for me. So how so I many a lot of people believe, but they don't trust God? All right, I can tell this is, what, what do I mean by that? A lot of people believe, like how many of y'all believe God wants to prosper you? A lot of people believe that, but they don't trust God with their money. And they can quote Third John 2 all day long. And they really believe that, but they don't trust God with their money. You all see the difference? I mean, you know, I, I believe God, I believe Johnny loves me. But do I trust him to give me a million dollars? I mean, that's something completely different right there, right? I believe my wife loves me, right? But I don't know if she trusts me enough to get on the back of that motorcycle while I'm riding. That's two different things, right? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? It's the truth for me too, right? One time she told me to jump on the back. I was like... Plus, that don't look right. <laughs> Do I have any fellas in here know what I'm talking about? Something about that just don't look right. I'm on the back of the bike, holding on around her waist. No, we we not going out like that. And, and so, a lot of people believe God. Now, this is going to shock you, but they don't trust Him. A lot of God believe. A lot of people believe God can bring them a mate. They don't trust him to do it. How do you know they don't trust him? Because they go off and do their own thing. They date people that's not saved, have sex before marriage. I don't trust him for that. I believe that's what he wants for me, but I don't trust him because I don't put all my stock in that. I know y'all like pastor been off for five weeks. He should have took, he should have took one more week off. He should have took one more week off. How I mean, y'all can see yourself in, in certain areas of your life where, yeah, yeah, I believe God, but your actions demonstrate whether or not you truly trust him. See, I, I believe God wants me to be healthy. I'm going to move right on past that one right there. See, anytime they start egging you on like that, come on, Pastor. Come on right there, Pastor. Bring it on home, Pastor. They don't really want you to do that, right? All right. Can you all see the difference here? So a lot of people believe, but they don't trust. Things that make you go. Say, well, Pastor, why are you getting quiet? I need that to marinate a little bit. A lot of people say they believe God and can quote the scriptures. They don't trust Him because they live something completely different. Second one here is you need faith to access all of His promises. Now, I don't know if you all know this or not, but there are 3,573 promises in the Bible. How many? Well, is a good group. How many? 3, I want to challenge the people watching online. Do you believe God and trust God? Because those are two different things. I want you to think about that for a moment. And then... Type it in however you want to respond to that. I'm growing in my belief and my trust for God. However you're led to do it, type it in. I want to go back and, and read those because all of us are, believe it or not, if I can be transparent for a moment, all of us are this way in certain areas of our life. There are certain areas where we believe and trust. There are other areas where we only believe and we got to get our trust up. Right? And I'm going to actually over the next six weeks, beginning next week, show you how to do that. Right? And I'll prove it in a story that we're going to look at today. Number two is you need faith to access all of his promises in the Bible. We know that 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says that all the promises in him are yes and amen, right? The Passion translation reads it this way. For all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him. But watch this. And his yes and our amen, that word amen means so be it, ascend to God and we bring him glory. So the moment he says yes to one of his promises and we say amen and we obey that and we say so be it, how many know we begin to bring God glory in our lives, right? And so I need you all to understand this. If you find a promise in the word of God, it literally belongs to you. You don't have to ask God for it. He's already said yes to it. You need to learn how to manifest what he's already provided in your life. You all see the difference. See, see, I want you to think about it. I really need to go slow. We ask God for stuff he's already done for us. Right? I think it would offend my wife if I kept asking her, "Do, do you love me? I think that would offend her over time because I should know she loves me. I should know she'll provide for me. I should know she'll take care of me. You all understand? I don't need to ask her to take care of me. Baby, would you take care of me? That's what she wants to do. Everybody clear? All right, so now let's keep going. So what I wanna do today, I wanna look at letter B and I wanna go back and look at the father of faith. Who is the father of our faith? Abraham, Abraham, right? And so if you really wanna understand how something works, How many of you need to go back to the originator of it, right? Go back to the foundation. What were the first things that were said about it? And so Abraham gives us eight keys to receiving the promises of God by faith. Now, this is not in your notes, but let me give you a quick summary. The patriarch Abraham was 75 years old and his wife was 65 and they had no children. Now, how many of you know 75 is is up there? And 65 is up there as well, right? They had no children, but in a divine revelation (laughs) in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, God said to childless Abraham to leave his native land and to go to a land that he will show him. And then God promises him that he's going to make him into a great nation. And it's going to start by God giving him a son. So they both set forth under divine guidance, eventually came to the land of Canaan, and there the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So the second time, he reconfirms that he's going to give Abraham a child. So God honored Abraham's faith, and when he was 100 years old and his wife was 90, 25 years after God's initial promise, Sarah delivered the promised son, Isaac. Now, we're going to read Paul's account of this in Romans chapter 4, but just something in summary I want to bring to your attention. In the Old Testament, it outlined all of the mistakes that Abraham made over that journey. So, I want to submit this to you. It did not take God 25 years to give them a child. It took Abraham 25 years to develop his faith to a place where he could receive it. Does everybody understand the difference, right? So, so you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you, right? And I'm going to show you something about the grace of God. So in the Old Testament, I don't have time to tell you everything. But at one point, Abraham lied and said Sarah was his sister and not his wife. Right, another time when the promise and the angel came and they were in the tent and they promised them a child, Sarah laughed at what the angel said and, and said, Shall I find pleasure in my old age? Right, another time, I, this was the one that got me, you know, like anything else. How I many know when it starts taking too long, we want to help God out and create our own way of doing it. So another time, Sarah says to Abraham, why don't you go into Haggai? Maybe God wants to give us the promised child through her. Now, fellas, if you don't understand, that is a setup right there. But the Bible says to us, Abraham hearkened. You know what the word "hearken" means? He obeyed instantly. He said, what? I can go into Haggai and you're not going to be upset about that. Abraham, Pew! right? And guess what? Haggai got pregnant and had Ishmael, right? So a lot of us have Ishmaels in our lives, things that we created that didn't come from what he spoke to us, right? But how many know God will fix all of that if if you just let him, right? And so, so I need you all to understand that Abraham made a whole lot of mistakes. And so it took Abraham 25 years. It did not take God 25 years. Now, can I judge this? Now, I believe the reason that you don't see any of Abraham's mistakes in the New Testament and the account that we're getting ready to receive, because now God sent Jesus. And that means he doesn't deal with us according to our sins or our mistakes. Come on, that that should be good news for somebody in this room. There's no record of any of these mistakes in the New Testament, right? Because Jesus' blood didn't just forgive it, but it also removed it, right? So there's hope for people in this room. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care what you've done wrong. Come on, somebody. I don't care what your past looks like. You can start right where you are right now and accomplish whatever is in your heart that God placed there to do, right? And that's what I believe with all of my heart. God's grace ended up covering all of that. And so let's pick up the account in Romans chapter 8, and we'll go through these quickly this morning. Romans chapter 4, I'm sorry, verses 18 through 21. It says here, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall your descendants be, verse 19. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about hundred years old. Or the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, how many know when the Bible says your body is dead and you're old? How many know you are dead and old? How many know ain't nothing happening there no more? In other words, ain't nothing happened between them in years. But it's something about when that anointing gets on you. How do you know something had to happen in that man's body? And something had to happen in her body. One day Abraham woke up and something started, everything started feeling like it used to. I don't know about you all. I want to believe for that until I leave this earth. Uh, Whatever age that is, let that stay on me right there, right there. right. So, he didn't consider his body neither the deadness of uh, Sarah's womb. I love this. Watch this right here, right? Uh, Since she was 100 years old, deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not uh, waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So, notice Abraham went from weak faith to strong faith, right? And getting to a place where he was fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able to perform. I'm telling you, folks, you are not really in Bible faith unless you're fully persuaded. When you're fully persuaded, there are no other options on the table. This is just simply what God said. All right. Now, let's get into this. We're going to go through these quickly. Number one, let's look at these eight keys here. We're going to go through them quickly because uh, we're going to talk about it for the next six weeks beginning next Sunday. It says here, against hope, Abraham believed in hope. So, against hope, he still believed in hope. Hope, by definition, is a confident expectation for something in the future. So, against hope, he still believed in hope. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 25, the passage translation. For this is the hope of our salvation. But what hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. See, this is what hope means biblically, is that we have to trust and still wait for what is unseen. For why would we need to hope for something we already have? So because our hope is set on what is yet to be seen, watch this, we patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment. Watch this, however long that takes. So notice the first example that we start looking at in Scripture, the foundation of it, was a situation where there was no reason to believe that this could actually happen. So Abraham had to tap into something called hope to add to his faith to keep him going, right? So, so watch this. If you don't have hope connected to your faith, you don't have a reason to get up tomorrow morning, right? And you get up tomorrow morning in hope and expectation that what I'm believing for, this might be the day right, and you get up every single day in hope connected to your faith that it will happen. Watch this. We know Abraham made a whole lot of mistakes. Just because you make mistakes, it doesn't cancel you out of the promise. you got to learn how to repent from it. Get back up. Dust yourself off. Get right back in the race. Come on, somebody, and make today the first day of the rest of your life. Satan wants you to kind of you know, throw that pity party right there on that mountain. No, just say, hey, I missed it. Father, I repent from that. Hello, somebody. I know that your word doesn't teach me that. I know your grace doesn't teach me that. And you move on and you grow from it, okay? And so he was able to still believe in hope when there was really no reason. Uh, Everything in the natural looked like it was against hope, okay? So you've got to add that to your faith. How many of y'all are still dreaming about something? Hope is almost like a dream. See, if you're not seeing something and hoping and have vision about something, I mean, you'll stop living. All of us need something that wakes us up every single morning and starts us on our way, right? And we get up with this attitude that I'm going to do something today towards what I'm believing God for because I know I'm one day closer to it, right? All of us have to have that or we're just existing. Number two, according to that which was spoken. Now, this is so important. Remember, it was God, not Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and 15 who spoke these promises to Abraham. So the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is filled with examples of God's promises and their accomplishments. So when God makes a promise, folks, you can count on that promise. You can take it to the bank because God is not a man that he should lie. If God said it, shall he not do it? Folks, you've got to believe that that settles it. If it's a promise from God, then I am riding with that. And so we've got to get to a place where what did God say about my situation? And that's all I stand on. So according to that, which was spoken is so important. If you don't know what God said, you don't have anything to stand on. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11 in the New King James Version says this. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Folks, you've got to believe that and trust that. Any word that goes forth out of your mouth, it shall not return back to God void. It will accomplish and it will please and it will prosper in the direction that it was set. So if you need physical healing, find out what God's word said about it before you go see a doctor. Right, get in that book and, and find out what 1 Peter 2 24 says and speak faith over your body. Say, By his stripes I am healed from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. If you need salvation, if you need finances, get into the word of God and find out what that word promises you. Go to Philippians chapter 4, where Paul prophesied and spoke over those people that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. glory. Folks, God will not lie to you. David said it this way. I I've been young and I've been old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging bread. Folks, you are God's child, and God is unwilling to leave you broke, busted, disgusted, sick, and without hope in this present life. If you just find out what he says, say it out of your mouth, God will perform it and prosper it in your life. Each one of us can follow the patriarch Abraham's example As our main text above encourages us, even when our situation looks like it is past the time, my window is closed. How many know God will open up another window for you? There is never a time in your life if you've got breath in your lungs and you are still breathing and you are right side up, you can still accomplish what God said you could. And Abraham is an example of that, who against hope, he still believed in hope because he knew what God said about that right? And so it's the same thing for us, Father, uh, for, uh, for us. Even though it's 4,000 years later, how many you know God does not change? God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Let's look at number three, being not weak in faith. What does it mean to be not weak in faith? Let's go to Matthew chapter 21, and let's look at verse 22. And again, I'm going to show you something. Remember what I said earlier. Watch this. Matthew 21, 22 says, and whatsoever things you ask in prayer... Believing, you will receive. He didn't say whatever things you ask in prayer, you will receive. He said whatever things you ask in prayer, prayer, believing. You know what he's saying here? That's the Greek word pistio. Believing that I can actually do that for you. Those are the ones that you'll receive. So once again, I mean, we can be at a place in life where we, we believe. You don't trust so he says whatever things you ask in prayer believing you will receive I receive our next level I can't talk about it but I receive it by faith cash I receive it supernaturally. I receive it in a way where no man can take credit for it. I receive it in a way where everyone will look at it and say only God could have done something like that. Come on, do I have anybody in agreement with me in here today? So whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you'll receive. So, so watch this. Then that tells me something. The key here is to find out what God's word says and then get myself to a place where that's all I trust in this situation. Right? And if I have anything else on the table, I don't believe. Everybody clear? Watch this. Let's keep going. You all glad you came to church today? Now, is this a blank check, right, so that, you know, people took this verse and whatsoever, right? No. Let's look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 for some context here, right? Let's look at 1 John 5, 14. It says, now, this is the confidence, right? So we're not talking about just ask for anything, right? This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he what? And we know the rest of that goes on to say, and we have the petitions That we've desired us now. So then what gives us confidence, folks? What what gives us confidence? Look at the verse. Not a trick question. What gives us confidence? Knowing his will. So when we don't have confidence, it's not on his end. We didn't do enough research. We didn't investigate enough. See? So, So we don't have confidence that he's listening to us. All so so what gives me confidence is that I'm literally repeating back to him what he said. See, so when I'm going to God, I'm telling him what he said about my situation. God, you said that by your stripes I'm healed from the crown of my head. How many know my confidence is growing because I'm reminding God what he said about my situation? And I'll throw one more thing out. You know you really believe it when you can tell other people about it. You know what real confidence is here in the uh, Greek here? Frankness, boldness, bluntness, open and plain speech. You can tell people what God's getting ready to do before he does it. You can be single and say, look at me while you can because I won't be by myself for the rest of my life. Come on, somebody. You can have that kind of confidence about you, right? You can be a husband and wife, believing God for a child, and you can have the boldness to go get your room ready, go, go design the room. Come on, somebody. Get the room ready and start preparing for what you know God's already provided for you. See, I don't have that kind of faith in this room right now. I'm talking about you can literally say, God, I'm believing you for my child, and you can just begin to organize things and get things in place for the child to come back and be right where they're supposed to be. You can start preparing financially to help the child when they show back up. If you're not doing something that's giving you some kind of crazy confidence about what it is you're believing God for, you are not believing God for that. You are simply wishing that he will do something. You know you don't believe it because you're afraid to tell somebody. Well, what if it doesn't happen? What if it makes me look bad? Man, listen here. God won't let his self look bad. If you tell somebody what God said, about your situation, I mean, all heaven is getting ready to back that up and not just show up in your situation, but show out in your situation. So we've got to take hold of the biblical promises of God that applies to our situation, right? Then pray to God for that need, expecting Jesus' promise to come true in that particular area, right? It's believe and then you'll receive. You all guess that, and so how do I know? By believe, I put all my trust in God on this situation. There're no other options on the table. See, when I was 22, I said, "I'm not. I'm putting all my trust in God's ability to provide a wife for me. I'm not sleeping with nobody. I'm not married to hello somebody. Next time I sleep with somebody, to be my wife on my wedding. I'm putting all my stock into that." God's going to know. He knows how I like to kiss. He knows how I like to get down. He knows everything about me. And and, and there she is sitting around. And we still getting down. Boy, boy, I'm trying to tell you. Come on, somebody. I would have canceled that out had I been out doing my own thing. I would have married somebody. It wouldn't have been Patricia Elizabeth Gregory. And that right there, that's worth all the tea in China, boy. I'd rather have that than $25 million because I know together we're going to get it anyway. I hope you're listening out here, single people. See, most people just get married. They don't find out what God's word said about getting married. So what they're basically saying is we're going to do what we want to do, and God, you bless it. And it just doesn't work, folks. So, so, essentially, I believed he wanted me to get married, but I didn't trust him to do it his way. All right, I feel like the devil's getting upset. Can we give God a real good hallelujah in this place? A, a better one than that. Come on, real good hallelujah. All right. Come on, let's keep moving because I'm running out of time, right? So, he didn't let natural obstacles weaken his faith, folks. He didn't let natural obstacles weaken his faith, right? How I many? if he looked at his body, his, his faith would have got weak. So you got to learn how to only look at the word of God when everything looks like it's not going to work. Let's look at a story here in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This will bless you. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Come on, somebody. Somebody say Jesus is in the house immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room for them to receive them not even near the door and he preached the word to them then there came to him bringing a paralytic somebody that was completely disabled who was carried by his connect group do you all see that that was four men in his connect group How many of all of us need four crazy friends in our life? Come on, somebody that just want to see us win and willing to do anything to help us win. All of us need four people like that in our life. So he's got four men. He's disabled, carrying it. And when they could not come near him, Jesus, because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he says to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Drop down to verse 11. He says, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed and went out of the presence of them all, so that they were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. And I came to tell somebody today, you're getting ready to believe God for something and everyone that witnesses, they're gonna say to you, I have never seen God do anything like this before. Come on, God's gonna use you and develop you and grow you and bring greatness to you and help you to bless other people and everyone that witnesses. They're going to say, we never saw anything like this. God's getting ready to do something for Linked Up Church that an entire community is getting ready to say. We never saw anything like this. Come on, say it with me. God's getting ready to do something for you and everyone that sees it. They're going to say, we never saw anything like this. If you believe that today, go ahead and give God some glory. Come on, you can sit there like a bumble on the law of all you want to, but I'm believing God, man. I'm trusting God. I'm getting ready to go for it. Glory to God. You've got to get to a place where you don't let visible natural obstacles prevent you from believing God. Number five, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. The word staggered means to separate thoroughly, to withdraw from or to oppose. You've got to get to a place where you withdraw from him, her, it, and everything else, and you oppose everything that is not in alignment with what you know God said about your situation. Sometimes you're just running around with the wrong people. You're hanging around with the wrong people. Man, you got to get away from people who don't believe in your dreams, believe in your visions, believe in what God said to you it's not for you to not for them to agree with you stop trying to convince people about something that God told you you don't listen you can show them better than you can tell them but when they don't agree with you you got to learn how to oppose that and separate yourself from it and go with God anyway and sometimes that'll be people real close to you He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Unbelief is faithlessness. It's unfaithful. It's, it's disobedience. How do I know I'm getting over into unbelief? I start disobeying God. James 1, 6-8 says here in the context of wisdom. See, sometimes when you're going through a test or a trial, you don't need God to deliver you from it. You need God to give you wisdom in it. And there's a difference, folks, because the lesson that you're going to learn from the wisdom that God gave you to not take you out of it, but to teach you how to work yourself through it, it's going to pay dividends for you down the road. You're going to need that for the next mountain that you need to climb. Say, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he shall receive anything from the Lord. He is double minded. Too spirited and unstable in all of his ways. Now, my, one of my greatest coaches is Jim Laranega. I played for him in college. And I believe this with all of my heart. He used to always say to us, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So if you cut me short on that line right now, I know you cutting me short on your homework. I know you cutting me short in study table. I know you cutting me short when we're not together. See, a double-minded, somebody's two-spirited. One day I believe, one day I don't believe, one day I love God, one day I'm not sure. Hello, somebody. That individual is unstable in every part of their life. Now, let's reverse that, Minister Russell. Is it safe to say that in a single-minded person is stable in every area of their life? Now, which one of them would you want to be, stable or unstable? then you've got to get one mind about your situation. See, if God told you to be debt-free, why do you keep borrowing? Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen. See, see, if God told you to lose weight, why do you keep eating like that? Can we just have some reality preaching this morning? Y'all like reality TV, don't you, right? See, if you know what God said, why are you doing something different? It's because you got two spirits about that. Abraham was strong in faith, right? We're going to go by this one real fast because I'm really out of time. What makes Abraham strong in faith is the fact that he was able to give glory to God. Let's look at verse number seven. Number seven, you know you're strong in faith when you're able to give glory to God. Look at uh, uh, Psalm 67, 5 and 6. It says, let all the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Watch this. Matter of fact, let's act on that first. Let the peoples praise you. Oh, God. So, so you, you know you're strong in faith about something that you're believing God for because you're able to give him all the glory for it. says let the people, I'm talking about before it ever shows up, you you get up and you say glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I know I already have it. I know you've already done it. God, I know you're good. I thank you in advance. I don't have to wait on it to show up. I know you've already provided. So I give you all the glory for it right now. Says, let the people praise you. Oh God, let all the people praise you. Then watch this, then the earth shall yield her increase. Notice the increase follows the praise. Come on, take 30, no, that's too long. Take 10 seconds to give God a down payment on what you know he's already done to you. This building, Father, is so supernatural. That situation is bought supernaturally. I thank you, and I give you glory for it right now. You're not a man that you can lie, Father. You only brought us here to get us there, Father. So, I thank you for every level of resources. I give you glory for it, even above and beyond what we can ask or think, Father. You are a great God, and you are greatly to be praised. There's absolutely nobody like you in all of the earth. If you said it, You shall perform it. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. I'm just out of time. We're getting ready to do 40 days of faith. So we're going to get into all of this. But the last one is you've got to get to a place where literally you're fully persuaded that what God promised you, he is able to perform it. If you don't get there, you don't trust him. How do I know I'm there, Johnny? There's nothing else on the table. Now, If I can tell you all something, I have been presented with multiple situations, and it was giving me multiple spirits. I'm going to tell you what the Lord told me. Until you get singular, I can't move. So until you figure out exactly what I'm trying to, what I want to do, and then that's all that's on the table, you're going to prolong this, not me. And all of them sounded good. and See, those are called distractions. If I start talking about something else, I'll keep talking. If you're looking the conclusion, start practicing these eight things. So, all, Everybody stand to their feet. Start practicing these eight things. And, and go back and study the rest of this. I'll probably get through all of this in the second service. But here, even though there may seem to be little natural hope, still believe God. Practice that every single day of your life. People were talking about, man, I'm 40. I might be past my window for us to have kids. Sarah was 65 when God gave her the promise, 90 when she had the baby, 40. You just a little teenager. You just 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. Come on, somebody. Still got a lot left in you. Number two, if God has spoken, you can count on God's word to work. Number three, refuse to be weak in faith. One of the conditions of being weak in faith is you only look at your natural circumstances. Number four, don't let obstacles weaken your faith. Number five, don't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. Number six, like the patriarch Abraham, be strong in faith. How do you know you're strong in faith? Because you give glory to God. In advance. Every day you wake up and praise God for what he said to you in your life. Number seven, desire that the answered prayer will bring glory to God. And actually number, it's actually seven of these. And believe without wavering that God is able to do what he promised. That's actually number seven. All right, you all get anything out of this today? How many of y'all glad you came to church today? How many of y'all would say to yourself, I've got some work to do? Come on, raise your hand if you're saying to yourself, I've got some work to do. And usually that work is in one or two areas. What's affecting my ability to believe is I don't know what the will of God says about it. Right? And then once I get that up strong enough, I got to get over to trusting that God will do exactly what he said he could do the way he said he would do it. And there's nothing else on the table. Everybody clear? All right. Let's all bow our heads before the Father today. Father, I pray that. What was ministered into their hearts today just kickstarts what it is that they want to do and the direction that they want to go in, Father, where their faith is concerned. We know that we can't please you. We can't even be in a healthy relationship with you without operating and living by faith, Father. So over these next 40 days, these next six weeks, uh, Father, I just pray that all of us will grow in a closeness and a relationship with you where we can manifest things in our lives that you've already provided for us. They're already in the earth, Father. Help us to just bring them into reality in our lives. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and His name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with Him today, we wanna invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with Him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I wanna lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name, praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get
0: connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text get connected to 9400. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.